Hello. Thank you for listening. Grace be unto you and peace. Number 180723. A Year with the Church Fathers. Apply what you hear in church to yourself. In the homilies we hear at Mass, says St. John Chrysostom, the priest usually praises virtue and condemns vice, but doesn't talk about individuals. That gives all of us the chance to apply the lesson to ourselves. You heard yesterday how I extolled the power of prayer and how I reproached those who pray lazily without exposing any of them publicly. So those who knew in themselves that they prayed earnestly accepted that commendation of prayer and became even more earnest by those praises. On the other hand, those who knew that they were lazy accepted the rebuke and set aside their carelessness. But we don't know which either one of these is, and this ignorance helps both of them. I'll show you how. The one who heard the commendation of prayer and knew that he prayed earnestly would have lapsed toward pride if he knew he had many witnesses of the commendations. But as it is, by having accepted the praise in secret, he is safe from all arrogance. On the other hand, the one who knew he was lazy heard the accusation and has become better for it because there was no one to witness the rebuke, and this was of considerable profit to him. When we worry about what the crowd thinks of us, then as long as we think our wickedness may escape their notice, we try hard to become better. But when everyone knows how wicked we are, and we have lost the consolation of escaping without notice, we become more shameless and negligent. St. John Chrysostom, homily against publishing the errors of the brethren. For in God's presence, consider, can I remember what the last homily I heard was about? What lesson was there in it for me personally? Closing prayer. Father, send your spirit to enlighten my sinful soul so that I may understand the things I hear spoken in the church. Through the year with Thomas Merton. Agony of ambivalence. Even when totalitarianism has not yet completely wiped out all liberty, men are still subject to the corrupting effect of materialism. The world has always been selfish, but the modern world has lost all ability to control its egoism. And yet, having acquired the power to satisfy its material needs, and its desires for pleasures and comfort, it has discovered that these satisfactions are not enough. They do not bring peace, they do not bring happiness, they do not bring security either to the individual or to society. We live at the precise moment when the exorbitant optimism of the materialist world has plunged into spiritual ruin. We find ourselves living in a society of men who have discovered their own known entity where they least expected to in the midst of power and technology, achievement, 
The result is an agony of ambivalence in which each man is forced to project upon his neighbors a burden of self-hatred which is too great to be tolerated by his own soul, the living bread. The Magnificat, July 2023. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to reproach the towns where most of his mighty deeds had been done since they had not repented. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would long ago have repented in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And as for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will go down to the netherworld. For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Sidon, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Meditation of the Day. Moved by the Lord's mighty deeds. Not only did Jesus show his care for me by suffering, but he went further still and gave me the best love of his heart. In his redemption on the cross, he saved me from hell. Now he would lift me up to his own divine heart and feed me with his body and blood, soul and divinity. He actually accomplished this wonderful charity. The night before he died, he thought of me. He must leave me. But his heart drew him to say with me. He wanted to remain with me, and he wished to be my food. So he took bread into his hands and said, This is my body. He wishes to come to my heart in Holy Communion. May I live the life of communion? Our best friend is an ardent lover. He wants our whole heart for himself. So he says, Behold, I stand at the gate and knock. This means that he knocks on the door of our heart that he may gain admission to rule in that kingdom of love. When I know God loved me so much as to make me for himself and to give his only son to save me from hell and that he gives me daily the uh, Eucharist Christ, my heart wants to make a return. In what way shall I render my thanks to God? It would seem not too much if I gave him my whole self. How can I do this? I can offer him every morning my daily work and also my best love while doing my duty. My work will not be prayer unless I make it such, and I may really give soul to every action if I keep my heart aflame with the love of God. I must resolve then to think of God's great love for me so that I may give him back all the love of my heart in loving service. God's Little Instruction Book 1, 2, and 3 by Honor Books. Golden Nugget number 1, inspired by Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Fanatic, a person who's enthusiastic about something in which you have no interest 
neither be lacking, lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Golden Nugget number two, inspired by Psalms, chapter 121, verses 1, 2, and 7. It is impossible for that man to despair who remembers that his helper is omnipotent. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Golden Nugget number 3, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. Silence is one of the hardest arguments to refute. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Chesterson, day by day. Thackeray born. In all things, his great spirit had the grandeur and weaknesses which belonged to the England of his time. An England splendidly secure and free, and yet, perhaps for that reason, provincial and innocent. He had nothing of the doctrinal quality of the French and Germans. He was not one who made up his mind, but one who let his mind make him up. He lay naturally open to all noble influences flowing around him, but he never bestirred himself to seek those that were not flowing or that flowed in opposite directions. Thus, for instance, he really loved liberty, as only a novelist can love it, a man mainly occupied with the vanity and vivacity of men. But he could not see the cause of liberty except where the Victorian English saw it. He could not see it in the cause of Irish liberty, which was exactly like the cause of the Polish or Italian liberty, except that it was led by much more religious and responsible men. And he made the Irish characters the object of much innocence and rather lumbering satire. But this was not his mistake, but the mistake of the atmosphere. And he was a sublime emotional Englishman who lived by atmosphere. He was a great sensitive. The comparison between him and Dickens is commonly as clumsy and unreasonable as a comparison between Wilkie Collins and Charles Reddy or Bulwer Sutton and Anthony Trollope. But the comparison really has this element of acuity, that Dickens was above all things creative. Thackeray was above all things receptive. There is no sense in talking about truth in the matter both are modes of truth. If you like to put it so the world imposed on Thackeray and Dickens imposed on the world. But it could be more truly by saying that Thackeray represents, in that gigantic parody called Genius, the spirit of the Englishman in repose. This spirit is the idle embodiment of all of us. By his weaknesses we shall fall, and by his enormous sanities we shall endure. Introduction to Thackeray. Reflection. Which is more pleasing to God, a life of asceticism in the wilderness, or works of mercy? Men of prayer in the wilderness think that a man living among men will find it difficult to safeguard the purity of the heart and to direct his mind toward God no matter how many good works he performs. 
Yet those who do good works among men say that the man in the wilderness is totally occupied with his own salvation and does not help in the salvation of others. Two Egyptian brothers, Passius and Isaiah, inherited a great estate from their parents. They sold the estate, and each one took his share of the money. One of them immediately distributed his money to the poor, became a monk, and withdrew into the desert to lead a life of strict asceticism, that through patience, fasting, prayer, and purifying his mind from all evil thoughts, he might save his soul. The other brother also became a monk, but did not go to the desert. Instead, he built a small monastery near the town with a hospital for the sick, a public refectory for the needy, and a resting place for the sorrowful. He dedicated himself entirely to the service of his fellow men. When both brothers died, a dispute ensued among the monks of Egypt, which of the two fulfilled the law of Christ. Unable to agree among themselves, they came to St. Pambo and questioned him about this. St. Pambo replied, Both are perfect before God. The hospitable one, the hospitable one is like the hospitable Abraham, and the aesthetic is like Elias the prophet, both of whom were equally pleasing to God. Yet not all the monks were satisfied with this response. Then St. Pambo prayed to God to reveal the truth to him. After praying for several days, he said to the monks, Before God, I tell you that I saw both brothers, Passius and Isaiah, together in paradise. With this, the dispute was settled, and all were satisfied. Quotations You have everything you need right at this very moment to have peace and accomplish what God wants of you. Start now and don't look back. Ancient wisdom for today's world. Augustine said, The evildoer is sad when he sees that his enemy has taken a warning and avoided punishment. Gregory said, We are only faithful to our friends when our actions match our promises. People have no right to persecute their enemies with the sword, but they should persecute them with prayer. Jerome said, Often our friends are only so-called friends. Not being able to tempt us openly, they try to do it secretly. No violence destroys a firm relationship, nor does time break it up. It remains strong wherever destiny takes it. True friendship is that in which you do not demand anything of your friend except his goodwill. Friendship seeks no reward from his friend. You cannot be superficial when it is a question of friendship. It is a bond that requires constancy. It is better to put up with continual hostility from those in bad faith than to hurt your neighbor with friendship that offends God. Defensor Chromaticus, Book of Sparkling Sayings.